Agent Pursuit Business Mastery is produced by CIR Realty and presented by Kirsten Favron and Lindsay Smith. CIR Realty is the largest, most productive real estate brokerage in Alberta, Canada, and has remained independent and Canadian-owned since 1983. Learn more at agentpursuit.com. Enjoy this episode and subscribe for more great content. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of Agent Pursuit Business Mastery. We are here with Anne-Marie Lurie, who is our local and provincial statistical expert. And today in this show, we're going to be talking about all of the ways that you guys should be looking at stats, interpreting them, when to use different numbers, when talking to buyers, sellers, making predictions about different opportunities that could be coming up. And Anne-Marie, we're so happy that you were able to join us. Yeah, Thank welcome you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Awesome. So to just kick us off here, because uh, you're the economist uh, for CREB and area, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I have so much respect for Anne-Marie because uh, she... Knows everything. Yeah, she knows everything. She's very <laughs> smart. She has a crystal ball that she <laughs> predicts the economy. But, but you, you, do, you do a great job of giving the facts in an elegant way. It is, it, it's never biased. You're, you're, you do such an awesome job. And I'm so happy that CREB and Area brought you on the team. So give us a gist about exactly what you do. Um, there's a couple things that I do. So first of all, I put together all the stats for all the members and, and public. So I, I basically take all that data you guys enter into the MLS system, and I aggregate it and I package it for you guys. Wow. And then I do the assessment of it. So then... So those stats packages that we're getting all the time, mm-hmm. that's you? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So we're taking, I'm taking that data and I've wrote some programs to make my life a lot easier. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and it shoots it into the, the files. So that, that's what I do for you guys. And then I also take that data and obviously I analyze it. So I take it and I mirror it with what's going on in the overall economy and I, and I look for trends. Um, and then when I'm doing forecasting, well, I build some models to do that and now, try and give me expectations. And we have offices across Alberta. So uh, at the start, you started your career in real estate with CREB. Mm-hmm. And then now uh, you're sharing time with area. Yes. So even um, Eldar, so Kara, uh, you know, you're going to be analyzing the data provincially now. Yes. Which is so exciting to our other members yeah. because we're always like, oh, Amory says this about <laughs> Calgary, you know, or right. a surrounding area, but now, or CREB, and now we have you overall. Yes. And I mean, that's, um, it's interesting because now I can take that same model and apply it everywhere. And once as we move to a one MLS system, it'll be far better because right now I'm kind of using Korea's data. So I can't dig into it in the same way mm-hmm. that I would. Right. Um, like with Krebs data, I have all the transactional data so I can play with it. I can look at price ranges. I can do all that sort of stuff. Um, can't do that quite as much with the CREB, uh, the CREA data right now that I'm using for the province, right. but we'll get there with the one MLS. So. Oh, exciting things to come. And then we'll make it standardized across the whole province and comparable. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> that is exciting. I'm excited too. CREB has great data, but in some of the other boards, when we try and put some stats together, it's tough. Yes, because it's, it's all tough. different. Everybody has a different standard, what they call things, um, how they yeah. measure it. and. And now consistency will make it comparable. So that's um, a big thing for me. So now when you look at a detached home, you'll be able to look at a detached home and compare what it really is in Calgary versus in other areas and actually do it in the same way. So (laughs) So we're we're about about two seconds into this and I already got to ask you another question Mm -hmm. that is not on this. But so the question, the model, the model, and, and maybe it's too early to tell or maybe it's not too early to tell. Are the other markets adopting the single-family condo, or are we all moving to the detached, attached, 
row, you know, is that, what, what's, which um, way are we going on that? Do I don't think yet? we finalized what that okay. model looks like. Um, we're we're going to probably move to a, a common standard, and I think that's where really Shane's doing a lot of work with that. Yeah. But, of course, we'll be discussing with it, um, with him as well. So Great. I'll be involved in that process as well to make sure that we have... Um, you know, divide it up correctly and, and be able to garner meaningful data. Well, and, and something that's meaningful. So yes. not just for not just for members, but anytime you're working with data, it's about how is it a meaningful representation. Awesome. Yeah, so. and that's exactly what we're talking about today. Lindsay, pineapple. <laughs> we, we have a safe word in our meetings when uh, someone goes off track. Yeah. Okay. Pineapple. pineapple and, then it's, and then we go back. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, that has nothing to do with our uh, previous conversation uh, of us being married. Uh, that's, okay. That's, that's our work meeting. Anyway. All right. So let's start off because that's what we're doing today is talking about all of these numbers because we have so many numbers at CIR. We pull all of our stats hourly. So we have that. We have the Krebs stuff that we pull, the Krea stuff that we pull. But a lot of people look at all these numbers and they just have no idea where to start. So we're going to start at a bit of a macro level um, and then we'll kind of bring it down. And I guess the idea is for you to give some advice on where you start in this process and numbers that you think would be meaningful for the realtors and their clients. So when you are, let's start with the economy as a whole, which is a, a big question. So not necessarily real estate, but you need to do a prediction on, you know, where's the economy going to be in the next six months? What numbers are you looking at and where are you going to find those? And I guess, why are they meaningful? Um, so there's a few, there's many things I look at. So if I had to narrow down and pick a few, I mean, I, I'd like to look at what GDP is doing because that's your measure of overall economic health. Right. Okay, that's something that you can get from Stats Canada. And actually, we have forecasts that we get from Conference Board. And, and a lot of the big banks do forecasting for the province as well. So that's, that's the start. That just gives you a health indicator. Nice. Um, when it comes to housing, though, I really like the employment numbers. Okay, mm -hmm. so that is something that... We track, we get it from Stats Canada as well, um, and we provide it to all members as well on our website. So you can see the monthly update, because what really is important is, are there full-time jobs being created? Um, what's the unemployment rate? How's the part-time looking? And what's the relationship? And then looking at the forecast for those as well. Um, that's probably one of your main drivers in the housing market um, in terms of what impacts demand. So, so that's the first thing. People have jobs can afford to buy houses. Exactly. If you don't have a job, you're probably not buying a house. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. so that's kind of, um, that's an important one. So that's the, one of the top ones that I, I, I watch regularly. Um, another thing I consider is population growth and migration flows. Now that data, it's more annual. They do some quarterly updates on a provincial level, um, and you can get it from... Uh, the province actually has a great like dashboard with some of this information on there, and it's, it's in there. Nice. Um, I also get look at civic census numbers from the city, which will, should be coming out soon. Okay. So those are kind of some of the main ones. Um, of course, you should be following what's happening in the lending market because that also influences it. So um, I'm always following what the Bank of Canada is doing in terms of rates, how it looks on mortgage levels. Um, so that's another key one. And then there's the energy sector. Because it's so important in our economy, um, I often focus on anything energy. So okay. what's happening in terms of investment? What changes are there? What's the, what's the expectations out there? How are consumers feeling about it? Um, looking at oil prices and, and understanding the dynamics of that market because it influences us. Well, and you have energy that produces jobs and even just consumer confidence alone, you can have an announcement and people are like, oh, okay, now it's time to make a decision. Right. So, or not. Or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And, and I think that's, and, and then when you take it to regional level, so, you know, you talk about a provincial level, 
Well, in some areas, it might not be like Grand Prairie is a lot less about oil, a lot more about gas. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, Lethbridge is the, it doesn't matter. It's actually more about agriculture. So it's important in understanding what is the main source of employment and the economy that funds, like that funnels through there. So, Interesting. and those are the indicators I look for to understand, well, what, how could that influence jobs? So if there's a downturn in energy, we know that will impact jobs, yeah. right? So that's, that's the understanding behind it. So when we talk about real estate in particular, so the actual houses, uh, what stats are you using and where are you looking for those? And we talked a bit about the, the, the specific numbers of sold data. Um, tell us a bit about that. Okay, so there's a few things I look at regardless. Like I always look at the number of sales. Now, when I'm looking at sales, why? I mean, I'm basically trying to get a gauge of if we are in a market that's improving or declining, right? So I'm looking at sales, not, I usually compare year over year right. for many good reasons. Or I look at year to date numbers um, because you don't want to do month over month right. because you get into March. Seasonal and seasonal yeah, factors, yeah, yeah. Right? So you don't want to do that. So, um, and that gives me, and I, I always don't just compare it over the previous year, I compare it over longer term trends, right? Because then I can see if, if our market's shifting. So we've seen in the past five years, we're in the slower sales environment. So I'm trying to determine if it stays there or not. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm layering it in with the economic data. Okay. So sales is probably one of the, it's a good um, indicator for demand. Right. This, this tells you what's going on in housing demand. Is right. your sales. So that's the first aspect. The next thing is you can't look at sales in isolation. So I look at it relative to both new listings, new listing growth or changes, and inventory. Right. Okay. Because if sales are down and inventory is down, it means your market might not be changing much. Right. Okay, so you have to compare the two. That's mm. why we look at those indicators like months of supply. Um, people have often asked me, why do I look at new listings? It's really about the new listing growth. So I compare how much is new listings changing compared to how much is sales changing. Because if new listing growth is outpacing sales growth, then your inventories are going to go up. Right. right. right? So, th so that's all I, I'm really looking at those indicators on that basis. Because if inventories are too high and your sales are low, and you have a high months of supply, what does it do? It impacts prices. Absolutely. And that's really what ultimately most people care about is what is impacting prices. Um, and there's a very strong relationship. You got too much, and it makes sense. You got too much, too much for sale, not enough demand, your prices are going to go down. Classic supply and demand, yeah. economics yeah. 101. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's, and that, that's good because it's, it makes it simple for people to understand. Yeah. It's like if, if there's <laughs> more people that want to sell a house and there's people to buy the house, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, and that's why those are those are the key indicators. That say right. if you have to look at just anything, look at those. Perfect. <laughs> that's and, great. Yeah. So attached. So getting a little bit narrower, specific numbers for attached properties, detached properties, mm -hmm. and apartment-style condominiums. So I do the same thing, but now I break it out a little bit more. So you don't want to look at. I mean, one thing that you know we talk about general trends. You don't actually want to look at that if you're trying to actually figure out what's going on for a specific home. Okay, so you would okay. want to take it to the more micro level. So if you're looking at detach, there is looking at those overall trends, but don't forget to look what's happening by price range. Okay. Right, because you can see different things. Like for instance, even this year, sales are down um, for the start of the year, no real surprise. Yeah. But look at the price ranges. Sales are actually up for the lower end of the detached market. Right, so it, and, and then you compare it and layer it in. Okay, so sales are up in this, this same thing in the lower end. Well, how's the inventory in the lower end? Oh, it's not that much. So you're in a tighter market depending on price range. So the same way that I look to see 
if the market is tight or not for the overall. You want to take it in the same thing and apply it by product type and by price range because it'll tell you a lot. So if somebody's looking for a lower end home, um, they're probably not getting price declines. Not when your market is as tight as it is there. Right, so, so people, and this is interesting for realtors, so if you have a yeah. buyer who is working in there, and if someone's like, oh, I'm just gonna wait for prices to go down, but they're in that lower range, it's like, you might, you might be waiting a long time. <laughs> yeah, it might not happen, right? Yeah. And that's one of the challenges. It's like, well, where is the prices declining? Because we know citywide it is, but that does not talk about a community and does not talk about price point. From what I look at in the data, so I do a couple ways, because there's the months of supply, but inventory numbers, especially as you start drilling down, you can get some funny numbers, so yeah. um, that's where I'll also look at sales to new listings ratio. So I'd like to look at both to see, because you just sometimes get more data in there, right? right. Um, so if you have a sales to new listings ratio that's really, really low um, versus one that's really high, like that's going to be a different price trend, and I'm seeing it in the market now. Right now, all the detached on the higher end, eh, that's a bit of a different story, right? There's a, there is, um, you know, the sales to new listings ratio is quite low. Right. Compared to what we've seen, right? Because you always want to, because I mean, obviously, like, higher end market, it's not going to be the same as the lower end. Yes. But, but that's what you do. You start comparing it. And then if they're in that, if they're looking for a home to buy in the $300,000 price range, um, you know, that stuff still goes fast. Like, yeah. you're talking sales and the listing ratio in the range of about 90%. Wow. So every wow. nine that come on, like, every 10 that come on, nine are being sold. So it's not, it's not what people think. Um, but on the other side of it, like if you're in the higher end, and right now even 500,000 is struggling. Right. Right. So those markets, you're seeing products sitting there a lot longer. So I would expect steeper price declines um, in that higher end versus the lower end where I would expect none. And this is a classic example of affordability. You know, when we mm -hmm. talk about mm -hmm. jobs and things like that, it's, you know, people who make more can afford the higher homes, but if less people are making more, then obviously you know, they're, they're going to move in. And, and it, but it goes to show that home ownership is still important because I'm just not choosing to not own a house. I'm just being realistic with my expectations about what I can afford. Right. On, that, on that note, I want to ask, because you said that you tracked employment mm -hmm. very carefully. Is part of that, and I don't know if you have access to these numbers, I know nothing about this, but is there a way to see if salaries are going up or down in these areas to say that, you know, like, let's say, 500 more jobs were created in this area, which should sound good, but actually 500 more jobs are being created at 30% reduced annual salaries. So there's a couple ways to do it. So they don't necessarily give me that, I don't necessarily have that breakout by the jobs that were created. But what I do, first of all, I look at what types of jobs are being created. Okay. So I, if there's full-time job growth, I go, great. Where have they been? And you can get it by industry. Well, you know that if your job growth has been occurring in... Um, accommodation and food services, yeah. that is not the same pay as if they're being occurring in the professional and technical services. Got right. It. So that's one indicator that we kind of look at is where is that job growth occurring? Um, and, you know, we've, I've run those numbers and, I, and it's very, like we're not having the job growth in the higher end of the market, right? Like the, so yeah. those high paid jobs aren't necessarily there. There's also broader base indicators that I look at. So disposable income. Um, and in Calgary, we've been trending down. So we actually are taking home less today than we did in 2014. Wow. Right? Yeah. And, and that's interesting because yeah. you would say that, you know, inflationary increases and things like that, but yeah. um, that's, it speaks to the economy. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that is a, your indication is that, you know, wages are not, you 
they're just not as strong. People aren't earning as much as they used to. I mean, just like when we look at the job numbers, um, you know, we technically have more people employed now than we did in 2014 when this first started. Um, but the job growth and job losses aren't equating. So the job losses have all been in like professional and technical, primary and utilities, which really reflect your energy sector. The job growth has been in like healthcare, education, government. Those are different pay grades. Yeah. So, um, so it's important to look at those details, and, and I do that often. Interesting. And I layer Thank it in, and, it, and it explains it. It explains why there's parts of your housing market that yes. aren't doing as well. Yes. So talking again about communities and price ranges, do you see any outliers uh, in, in Calgary? And I don't know if you, can, if you necessarily look that granularly, but here's the question, because we would automatically say, based on what you said beforehand, that communities that have those lower average price ranges um, or lower benchmark prices, uh, depending on what we're looking at here, um, yep. they, would, they, they would be moving quicker. Do you see any outliers? Um, and maybe because it's because of like new growth, like the Seton areas and um, you know, being driving you know, new developments, driving that new hospital developments, things like that, or new developments overall, driving, driving different things? Um, okay, so that's, there's a couple ways to look at this. Sure. First of all, I don't necessarily go into specific communities. I kind of keep it at the district level. Got it. Um, for many reasons, because I don't want to get into your business. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Fair, <laughs> um, so fair, I don't do that fair. so much, but I do often look for indicators and things. Now, um, and I'll get back to the new home stuff in a second, because sure. that does influence, but in a different way. Um, so when I'm looking at the districts, I have seen that, you know, generally right now, the, the detached market is, this is fairly new. So it went into oversupply in, in levels that we haven't seen for a very long time. So it's why you're seeing the steep price declines across the detached market. Yeah. It does seem to be a bit less on a quarter over quarter change in the northeast area. Right. Right. And again, that doesn't necessarily surprise me because it's a more affordable yeah. part of the market. Okay. So I do look for some of those general trends, um, but all of them are still well below previous highs and they've all been falling. Yeah. Okay. So, and one thing you have to watch with the, especially pricing data is you've got year over year changes. And it's the one place I'd say it's okay to look at month over month because there's not as much seasonal factors in it. Got it. Um, I prefer quarterly, but on the quarter, because uh, um, everyone's saying, well, the first, quarter, first year, this year over year, first quarter, that's a steep price decline. When, well, what you're forgetting is prices were declining for most of 2018. Absolutely. So that's why all of a sudden the year over year looks really steep. Yeah, even though it might have leveled off yeah. quarter well, over it quarter. Hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't, sorry, it's still Theoretically, yeah. yeah no, I mean, theoretically, but no. <laughs> but it's important with those, both of those contexts, like in understanding how it's trended down as well as if it is leveling, because yeah. then you still might have a strong year over year decline, but then that's where you compare the previous period or previous quarter, whatever you're looking at, previous month. So, but now the, the next aspect is the new home side, and I didn't touch on that yet. That's another one of those things that I follow closely, because if you get those new communities, the challenge is looking at the difference between resale and new, mm. because you're competing, don't forget, any resale product is competing with the new home. And there's been a lot of new home construction, yeah. um, and that is partly why you've seen steeper price declines in the apartment sector. 
Do you have data on that? Yes. Okay, you do. Because yeah. I was going to say, because some of it, if it's not MLS listed or No, we have like everything that. that goes through. Like, we have at least the starts. We know Got what's it. under construction. We know what's in inventory. Mm -hmm. And that's your city permits and things like that? Um, no, or? that's with CMHC data. It is CMHC, and okay. And I'm working with them. Hopefully, sooner than later, they'll give it to me. But mm -hmm. um, we'll have it by community soon enough. So oh, at least wonderful. we can that's see great. how much is coming on. So that's... I've been talking, they're a little slower than I prefer, but I've been talking to them for a couple of years and I think we're finally there. <laughs> so then we can layer in, and again, you have to compare, well, what is that relative price? So what is the price of new versus the price of resale? Right. Right, because if you're in these communities, some of the communities, yeah, they're growing, they're doing well, but is it on the resale side mm. or is it on new home side? One thing I think we're starting to see in the apartment sector um, and the condos, um, there is a lot of new condos. And for resale, it's very difficult for them to compete. Because not only their prices might be lower than the new, but look at the condo fees. Yeah. Generally, new condos have a much lower condo fee than what's on the resale side. Mm. And that factors into people's decisions. So that's your competition in the market. And we see it in a lot of those newer areas that the resale prices um, might be impacted just because they're competing with the new. Oh, gosh. I have a investment property across the street from Market Mall, and we're looking at the Brentwood Towers that went up, and four giant towers, maybe to five towers, and I'm just literally like, I just can't compete. Like, it's, it's insanity. Yeah. So, because ours is like 1980s building, theirs is just, and of course my condo fees are creeping up, and they yep. split the amenities, even, even with the elevators, they're still cheaper, and it's, oh, yep. it, it's a battle. So we, we, we live that firsthand. Yeah. And, and that's why it's also, so, so, so that's part of the supply equation. Right. So there's resale supply. You'll also have to consider what's available in the new home stuff for supply and the rental. So then you're getting a full housing picture. Because those are all really, that's all your housing options. You can rent, you can own, you can buy new or resale. Right. So I often look at the rental side as well to see what those vacancies are. That data is horrible. I, I fully admit it. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, so I try and... Um, like currently, the only person who does rental data is CMHC in terms of a survey that they do twice a year. Um, and it's not great. I mean, it only includes purpose-built rentals, so it won't right. include uh, got it. anything somebody's renting their home. Yeah. Mm. So, so I, I'm not a big fan of that data, but what I often do is I try and look at some of the, the larger publicly traded companies to see how their balance sheets are sitting how much is their vacancy? Just give me a gauge. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So, so is Boardwalk? No, it's not public. Yeah, Boardwalk is. Yeah, boardwalk is okay, so that's yeah, a great indicator. So then. Boardwalk, Main Street are some Got of the, the two areas that I might look at just to see the general trends. Because, um, and again, it's layering in all the data, but when migration goes up, typically they start in rental. Well, how does the rental, is the rental moving down? So we had migration actually improve last year better than expected. Um, we saw some of the influence in the rental market with vacancies dropping. Um, but everyone says, well, how come it didn't impact the housing market? I said, well, because when 87% of your migrants are from international sources, that takes time for it to filter into ownership. Yeah. So, so it's looking at all of that and understanding how it's driving it. And I think I went off topic totally. No, no, it's, <laughs> no that is it, it's, it's right on topic. I was, I mean, I was just thinking that we had, I think we just had it. Um, in one of our offices, we had a lunch and learn that TD Bank put on about talking about new migrants into the province and all of the home ownership options and financing and how to have those conversations, which apparently we should probably get them in again and really get our agents to go to that because that's probably a little bit 
untapped. Well, and that's where most of the that's where most of the migration has been. Um, right. So we're not getting people here from other provinces. Not a surprise when you're not creating high-paid jobs. Right. Right. But we still are getting people from international sources, and that's expected to continue into next year. But um, like I said, they start off in rentals. So how do you convert those into ownership? It won't. It, like it's not a quick process. Of for course. Sure. Yeah, because even even a soft Canadian market in a, in a province is um, appealing to people that might be living in a developing country or anywhere else mm -hmm. as well. Um, but they need to qualify with their. They banks, need to qualify. Right? That's so right. They, yeah, there's rules around it, right? And, and that could take time. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about the HPI a little bit because that is important, mm -hmm. and I never hear realtors talk about it. Okay. In sentences <laughs> using the, using those using those words. They certainly don't talk about it well. And yeah. it's a constant right. education battle it for is. us. It yeah. Is. Yeah. So how does how does that fit into the way? So I, I guess this is so when realtors are talking to their clients about what's going on in the market in specific communities, how should they be using that in a language that makes sense to the client? Um, you using can, HPI. Okay. So so I, and I've struggled with trying to like they all understand why I don't like average or why I don't yep. like median. So how do you use the benchmark price? Well, you just call you can call it. It's the um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a different way to call it the benchmark price, but maybe it really reflects the average home. Yeah. Really. It's the price of an average home in that community. T typical home. And maybe that's yeah. easier for them to explain it that way. So it is, it's the typical home. So the best way to explain it is in a community, while most homes in, in a very specific, in a community will have kind of general features. So when you guys do this, when you guys are running your CMAs, you go, okay, this home has this, and you know, you look at your comparables. Well, it's essentially taking all the comparables for the entire community. It's looking at the entire community and going, what is the most typical home in this community based off how many bedrooms does it have? How many bathrooms? How many, like, what's the size of it? Um, what type of property? Um, and then it's pricing it based off those attributes, so those features. So the same way that you would price your comparables out using, and I think that's you guys do this. I don't, I don't do that. So you're, <laughs> um, you're correct. I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you do that, it's doing the same thing. It's saying, okay, this is generally what people pay in this area for these attributes, and it applies it to that typical home. So it's almost like it breaks it up, looks at a pricing for each of those attributes, and applies it to this typical home. Right. Now, why it matters is because when you're looking over time, you're looking at the same type of property. Mm -hmm. So when you're comparing your price today from five years ago, 10 years ago, um, a month ago, you're not, it's not being influenced by the type of property as much. Okay, so you're looking at the same, it's, it's a better trend. Yes. Right? And what I find you really see it is if you put all three together. You put an average price together, medium price, benchmark price, then you can clearly see mm -hmm. how it fits into this much smoother trend. Because the problem with average is that every month you could just have totally. something that sells yep. and it skews it, right? So yeah. it, it moves around too much. So the yeah. benchmark is a more stable way of looking at it. And yes, we do review those attributes. So we see if the typical home is changing or not, or what at least people are willing to pay for those attributes. If that changes, we review that once a year um, and we update that. So that'll come in June, right? So you'll see those updates and those adjustments are made. Um, but at least it's stable. Are those, are those attributes updated annually? Yes. They are. Yeah. I always tell people, I say, you know, close your eyes, envision a bungalow in Brentwood. And it's like, that's your typical. Close your eyes and envision a two-story home in Tuscany. And it's like, that's your home. And, you know, close your that's eyes exactly and, 
and and you can sort of like like this thing manifests itself, and it's like that home may not actually exist in its in its you know <laughs> idealistic form there yeah. um, in, in any one thing, and everyone has different things, but that's the 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 benchmark attributes, the attributes report. Yeah. And, and the nice thing is if you're, so if you take it to the next level, if you're selling a home um, that is pretty much the typical home for the community, well, you can use that as here's an example of how prices have moved for the typical home. Yeah. Typical home in your community has moved by whatever percentage it is over that same time frame. You can look at that and it can actually validate what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so if nothing else has changed, then there's no reason why it shouldn't be fairly similar to that price trend. So it helps you validate when they say, okay, my house is worth more. You know, well, what's so special about your house that makes it worth more than what the general community has done? Yes. Yeah. So you have to have, so it helps with that discussion um, if it's very different. So I think that's one aspect. Um, and it also gives you a nice comparison between communities. Yes. Oh, I love it. So, I mean, the, the, the grids in the summary report are just amazing with the breakdown, even, even month, one month, three months, you know, six months. Like, it just yeah. breaks it down so beautifully. Yeah. And even showing long-term trends for real estate investments, mm -hmm. you can look and be like, ah, you know, yes, overall, year over year, and even five years, we don't know what's going to happen, but long-term. Yeah, we don't talk about what, it doesn't talk about what is going to happen. That's right, absolutely, what has absolutely, happened. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, past returns are not reflective of, you know, a future. Not always, or, no. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's look at now, and I, I know that we recently had the CREB forecast, so I, we don't need to, I don't want to make you redo all of that, but in general for Alberta. Can I ask one more question, question on EPI? Just one, oh, one sure. more quick one. Um, <laughs> okay. So for all of our other board members out there, is there, is there any chance or is there just not enough data um, that HPI would come to other markets besides Calgary and Edmonton? Uh, potentially. Okay. So that is uh, to be determined. Got um, it. And I think once as we move to a one MLS system, that's likely something we're going to investigate and see what those options are and what the pricing is for that. Keeping our fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Cool. Okay. So Alberta overall right now, what are you seeing today? What do you think is going to be the difference? Maybe this is going to date this interview a little bit, but um, the election is next week. Do you see anything today being different versus a year from now if either party gets elected? Um, okay, so there, there's first of all, when, when there is an election, I mean, there's a couple things it can do. First of all, if people view that the government that is coming in or staying, if that's gonna change and help, then that impacts their confidence. Okay, so there, there could be some short-term impacts in terms of confidence, so if we have a different like, and it depends on what people feel. Mm -hmm. If they feel that one way is better, some people might feel that existing government is better for the economy, some people feel a new one is. That just impacts confidence, okay? So that's short term. When it comes to longer term impacts of government, it really comes down to what policies they put in place. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's where, and, and that wouldn't happen this year. In all honesty, if they get in, um, if there's any changes, mm, it takes time before that usually filters through in policy decisions. So I'm always after what type of policies are they, are they suggesting, what they actually suggest and what they do are two different things. So let's see about what they actually do. And that's when we can have real changes. So I'll be looking for any policy changes that impact housing. Mm -hmm. um, so even in the federal budget, you heard that they have this new policy for first time home buyers. Yes. Or, Right, so yeah. <laughs> with no details That's whatsoever. Right. <laughs> Pretty cryptic. Right, so cryptic. so I'm looking to see. Well, what are the details? Right, so how could that actually impact the market? Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's, that's really where the government comes in and I'm going, well, you know, outside of the confidence factor, if we look for changes, it's more about what types of things are they doing to either change our economy, if they can. Um, I have other beliefs on what they really can do versus what they say they think they can do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might be with you. We'll share that so, more someday. I, so I it, yeah, so I, I mean, I think that that's really what it comes down to is what influence can it have on market perceptions? Um, you know, can it encourage business investment? Because I mean, when we think about drivers of the economy, it's really about what type of um, business investment are we going to see? And could that change in a way that it creates jobs? or not, right? In Alberta right now, status quo, nothing's gonna change. Do you think we're gonna see much of any difference over the rest of the year? Is there anything that we should be aware of or no, just status there's, quo? There's a lot of risk right now in the market. So even if I think about from when we forecasted to now, um, there's a lot of risk with employment. So there's a lot of concern over what's happening in the investment climate in the energy sector. So oil prices have actually come up. Mm -hmm. Uh, most people say, well, doesn't that mean it's better? Um, but no, because <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. it's not turning into investment, and there's a lack of confidence investment. Without that, you're, and it, I, I often feel it's a made-in-Canada problem. Um, so, Truly. And, and without that, we just can't see employment growth. And if you don't get employment growth from that sector, um, you're just not going to see that turnaround quickly. I mean, there's a lot of talk over diversification and and other industries, well, we're in, it's four years. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen enough of that yet. I mean, most of the job growth that we've seen have all been in healthcare, education, and government. That's very different growth. It's not private industry growth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't necessarily see any changes right now. Um, there is a lot of discussion over further layoffs coming in the energy sector, which is something I'm watching and, and quite concerned about. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just because we just can't seem to get things organized in that sector. We're not competitive enough and there's no investment dollars flowing there. So that talks to a potential shift. And in a way, I look at it going, well, that might be that sign that we're moving into a new normal. Right. Where growth is just going to be slower. We're going to have slower, more stable, slower growth and there's adjustments and, you know. I always feel like, I always feel like the, the, you know, the new normals are always like, it, it might be the new normal for the next 10 years, but then all of a sudden it's like, now we're in a, a different, because it might be anything. It could be a technology investment. Mm -hmm. It could be, mm -hmm. you yep. know, those, those things as we, as we go through. Um, but, I mean, and, I, and I often look at cycles. So if I, if I think about looking at different cycles, so everyone says, why do we look so much in the past? Well, we went through this in the 80s. Yes. What happened through the 90s? Not a lot of anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Through the yeah. 90s, we had a decade of really... Um, slow activity, right? There wasn't a lot of growth. There wasn't this type of, um, and in the housing market, it was pretty flat, really, for a decade. 2000s is when we started to see a massive amount of investment coming into the energy sector. We saw a lot of job growth, a lot of people moving here. And look at the corresponding influence on the housing market. We've had tremendous amount of growth and, and outpacing many other areas, right? So, um, in the same aspect, housing theory will tell you it's not normal to have a 10% appreciation in your home every year, yeah, <laughs> right? Obviously. Like that, that's yeah. not normal yeah, either, right? So, and, yeah. yeah, so, so there, there's been that, that strong amount of growth and now I look and going, well, are we in a slower platform now? Because if you don't have um, an industry that's ramping up and expanding, well, then that impacts everything, mm -hmm. right? So that's, that's where, and then how long does that cycle last? Well, until something new happens. If we think what happened in the 2000s, 
that was really, um, you know, the government had given a lot of incentives for the oil sands industry, right? So they had given them tax shelters, things like that. They all of a sudden became economic. And you saw a ramp up yeah. um, in that activity. Um, and that helped support it. So you need something else that's going to ramp up and see that. And that stuff takes time. So I have, to, I have to give a shout out to Anne-Marie because I've always bugged you a few times about the fact of how diplomatic you say everything. <laughs> and when we talk about elections and, and predictions and different communities and pricing and the words about downward pressure and upward pressure and affordability <laughs> and, and things like that and policy changes and, and sectors and I just love it's it. Very, so, it's very polite. Yeah, it's just, it very is just polite. the most wonderful thing ever because you, and, and, and as an ambassador for the industry, uh, you are perfect for it. So appreciate that. Well, thank you. We're going to ask you one that I, I don't know if you can uh, speak to as much, but people find out you're the economist for Kreb, and you would get the perpetual realtor question of how's the market. Yep. And one of the things that we always look at is we always say, okay, how's the market? What does it mean for buyers? What does it mean for sellers? Yes. And so let me ask you that question. Um, your realtor right now, based on the stats, what advice? Uh, I know uh, <laughs> yeah, I the, the A right word, now. the yeah. A word. But okay, so, so give me things. So I'm, I'm. Let's do it this way then. I'm a member of the general public. I see you, and I say. And kind of give you his perspective here, it's April 12th, um, yeah. 2019. Uh, so this will actually be airing after the election. So we'll see how your predictions turn out. But <laughs> consumer confidence and the short-term uptick, they are not. Um, <laughs> but, but we'll go through and say, okay, so I'm asking you, I meet you at a party. Um, Amory, how's the market? Great. And, and I'm a buyer or seller, you know, talk to me through that. Okay, so the market generally right now, again, depending on your perspective, I mean, I look at it and going, we are in a period where we're oversupplied. So we're oversupplied and prices are falling. Yep. Okay, that's what we're seeing. I don't expect a lot of change in that. Um, it's going to take a long time before our market moves to more balanced conditions. So that's kind of the overall, this is what's happening. Prices are coming down. Now my next advice would be, and I can say that nicely, yeah, fair, fair. <laughs> is, okay, now how do you deal with this market? Okay, so if you are a seller... First of all, where are you selling? Like, where is your, where is your home, right? What, where, what location is in? What price point are you in? Because, again, that will influence um, how much prices may have come down. So maybe you are a higher-end home and you're facing more of a price decline. So I guess my next question would be, well, do you have to sell? Why are you selling? Like, where are you moving? Are you leaving the city? Because um, <laughs> those things can influence your decision of when you should sell or if you should sell, right? So that's the first thing. Um, I, I would recommend for anyone who's selling in this market is to understand what are they competing against. What is the inventory? Um, what price point are they at? What community? Um, and really, then you have to give reference to, to when did they buy it. Prices have come down since 2014, but if you bought in 2009, you're still in a positive scenario, right? Got so it. you have to give that perspective of when they entered the market as well. Mm -hmm. um, because, I mean, there's different cycles. Now, for buyers, on the flip side of it, um, you know, when prices are falling, usually that's a sign that you know, there could be opportunity for them. Absolutely. Right? So again, for buyers, they'd be saying, well, first of all, what, same, same thing applies. Where do you want to buy? What price range do you want to buy in? Right? What are yeah. you looking for? Um, the part that I think people often forget, though, is that as a buyer, this is not just an investment decision. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, so many people focus in on the market, but you know, there's personal factors. There's lifestyle choices. Yeah. 
right? Um, what type of home do you want to live in? What community do you want to live in? I mean, in that place, like, do you need to buy today? Are you planning on buying in the next five years? Like, like what's your budget like? Like, yeah. that, that stuff is so much more than just the market. So I think if you're buying, I'd be looking at it going, well, are you here for a longer period of time? Do you have a specific school you want your kids to go to? Exactly. You know, things like that. Because there's a lot more that influences those decisions. So the, the market will do whatever the market does. Um, Don't you know. hate your house in the meantime. Well, it's like, okay, the market's gone down. Right. Okay, are you yeah. selling today? Because it doesn't really impact you unless you have to sell. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're yeah. active in it. Um, like, yeah, it's too bad if it goes down and, you know, yeah, wow, okay, great. Not really a great feeling, but if you're not changing anything. Well, and, and, and talking to buyers, you know, <laughs> if it's like, you know, so prices are here, but what if the market stays soft the next five years? Are you going to hold off your lifestyle goals for five years? You know, exactly. you're, you're 40 years old now. When you're 45, you'll start living the life you want to live. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, that, that's, a, that's a question. That's an opportunity cost. Yeah. It's a trade-off for you. It is. It is a trade-off. And, yeah. and then what do you want? Because like, it's not just an investment. If you're, if you're purchasing a home as an investment, that's a very different decision. And you're not going to choose it in the same way that you would choose a home you live in. You have to split up this segment. Just that, <laughs> just, just that house of the market piece because that's perfect. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely perfect. And it's so authentic. And it's okay to say it because it's like, I love what you said about, you know, we're in a, uh, a market where, you know, we've seen downward pressure on prices. Prices decreased. Mm -hmm. But it, it's, it's what do you do about it? Yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's the thing. And that's what we say. What's the opportunity? Or what do you do about yeah. it? And, well, and the, it, it's where do you want to live? I mean, I look at it and go, ah, oh, you can pay me enough to live in the city. Like, yeah. <laughs> prices haven't come, they have to come down a whole lot more before I'd even consider it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a lifestyle choice, right? Yeah. So there's so much more to it, and I think people often forget that. And, yeah. um, you know, there's, you know, and, and again, for some buyers, they have to have that perspective. If you're in that affordable segment of the market, um, yeah. that's a different scenario. You're competing. So you're you might competing. be competing with yeah. people, yeah. So, and you know, and people really do need to be aware of their finances. That's a different issue. You yeah. could probably have a whole topic on that one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Long-term, responsible yeah. planning, yeah. yes. So, but I mean, that's, that's really understanding the dynamics of what you want, yeah. right? And if you're planning on being in this, like if you plan on only living here for two years in the city, then you're probably making a really different decision than if you're committed to the city mm -hmm. and you plan on being here for the next decade. I mean, that's a different decision. Fair. That so. makes sense. Yeah. Emery, thank you so much. This yeah. was so helpful. I want to just kind of end this, and this, these, might, these might be very basic things to say, but at the end of this, a realtor says, I want to go look at these stats, just because we do have a lot of brand new realtors in the industry that may have started yesterday. Where mm -hmm. are they physically going online to look at the CREB numbers, some of the area numbers that you would recommend? When are they released? Okay, so CREB link. Um, would have all of the stuff for Calgary and surrounding areas. So anything within the CREB board, you can go to CREBLINK. We produce stats monthly and quarterly for okay. every single community. Unbelievable. So you, you just go onto the site and you click around and you'll come up with a PDF. You can download that PDF into Excel so you can take all of that stuff and do whatever you want with it. Nice. Um, so if you, need, if you want to actually use it in your presentations, you can do that. All right? So that's all available on CREBLINK. As far as area stuff goes, you can go onto their website as well. Um, we have a really new to cool tool coming out soon. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> um, so that'll be out hopefully in the next couple months where it'll be a much more interactive tool where you Great. can look at surrounding regions. Um, so we, again, do a monthly write-up there. Um, it comes out a little after our stats just because of Fair. 
how it works. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's coming out. Um, and you can still get at least stats on those surrounding areas on a broader basis for now. Um, but soon it'll be in an interactive tool, which is really neat. So I'm excited about that. That's great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great question. Great question. And thank you again for giving your time to us today. You're welcome. I want to give a big shout out to uh, Tarek Hagamad of uh, CIR Realty and Calgary Home Reporter here. He's got this beautiful home, uh, 557 Patterson Grove Southwest. Uh, so thank you for letting us use that location. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow Agent Pursuit on Instagram, and check out our podcast anywhere you get your podcast or an Apple podcast. Um, we post new episodes um, every two weeks. And it's awesome to have a fantastic guest like Anne-Marie. So thank, thank you, you again. Thank you very much. Have a great week, everyone.